0: Hey everybody, Dave Lindbergh in Hong Kong with another episode of THD Podcast. Um, Of course, we have to give shout out to our sponsor, Alti, formerly Alma, but now the Audio Loudspeaker Technology International. Uh, Great networking organization. Used to have trade shows, maybe not this year, but uh, they'll be coming back with those to to help with everything. So we encourage people to uh, join Alti and get involved. Uh, Today on the episode... We have uh, DSP Concepts joining us, and uh, and it's a, a, a technology that seems to be like, um, what do we call it, a compiler for all your coding and, and algorithm blocks. If you're trying to build an audio system, do you have to code for each chip, or can you use a somewhat of a, I use the word compiler, but we're going to learn more details to see if I've got that accurately. So. Without uh, any delay, let's uh, switch over to say hello to everybody. So Simon Weston joining us from Sendai, Japan. How are you doing today, Simon?
1: Really calm and peaceful today. There's a, actually a pitter-patter of rain.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah, joining us from the Bay Area is Mr. Paul Beckman. Um, he's one of the founders of uh, DSP Concepts. How are you doing today, Paul?
2: Good. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you and telling you all about DSP concepts and our audio weaver technology.
0: All right, so yeah, I've done a little bit of homework, and I I, I saw the audio weaver literally is like the concept of weaving DSP between different uh, devices in an audio system, and uh, I got a quote from you that I wanted to, to start this off with, so... Uh, in one interview, you said going from coding to audio weaver was like going from a typewriter to a word processor. So maybe that's a, a good place to start in telling you tell us how you came up with this idea for the audio weaver with DSC, DSP concepts.
2: Right. Yeah. So my background is I'm kind of audio DSP engineer. So went to school, you know, went to grad school, studied signal processing, learned all the math and stuff. And my first job, I worked at Bose and uh, I was there in the early 90s. And I was in a group doing research and we were developing new 3D audio algorithms. So we're doing all this cool HRTF, spatialization, head trackers, all that stuff. And I remember late one night, I'm sitting in the lab, I'm writing assembly code for a TI processor. I'm like, I didn't go to school for this why am I spending like 98% of my time doing implementation issues like assembly code? And I felt like I was only doing 2% of the time doing actual audio algorithms. And so born out of that frustration was my desire to streamline that process and you know, make my work more interesting and allow me to work at a higher level. So at Bose, I started developing rapid prototyping tools So we could do this kind of uh, R&D work. Mm -hmm. And so we used it for 3D audio and so forth. And the tools were actually efficient enough to be used in product development. So the first product we did was a a Dolby home theater system. So 5.1 channel system on a shark processor. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it spread to pro audio group, uh, rest of consumer automotive group. And those tools are still used to this day at Bose, the stuff that I started on.
0: And and I guess one of the, you mentioned a shark processor, that's a pretty heavy horsepower device. And now has, there's been more power in lower cost uh, processors. Has it become more prevalent across all product applications?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll show you kind of the, later on the list of processors we support, mm-hmm. but... The bulk of our business nowadays is on ARM processors. Okay, and uh, you know that's driven by a couple of things. One is ARM processors have gotten fast enough over the years to do real-time audio. Second thing is all the interesting audio products have connectivity. So the moment you have a connectivity, you need an ARM processor. And so those two things together uh, make ARM a real nice platform for audio. Yeah. So DSP concepts, our vision is to create the audio of things. Just like everybody knows about the internet of things, that's where we're putting internet technology connectivity into different devices. We want to be the audio supplier for all the different device manufacturers. So we say, you know, we're creating the audio of things. And the way we're going to do that is by creating tools for product developers. Okay. We're going to create best in class tools. For for audio product developers, world class algorithms. So we have some of our own. Mm-hmm. We provide systems expertise, and then we're also going to provide create an industry wide ecosystem. So working together with chip partners, IP partners, design partners, and so forth. And you know DSP Concept was founded a long time ago, so 2003, mm-hmm. and uh, the early years we're doing consulting. And we started working on AudioWeaver in 2006. And we used AudioWeaver as an internal consulting tool for our uh, customer projects. And with AudioWeaver, we could pretty much whip out audio products that way. And so what was also nice, it gave us time to improve the technology. So we've been iterating on the technology. And audio is tricky to do because you're balancing efficiency of implementation with flexibility. So we started on small embedded processors. So we were always MIPS and memory tight.
3: Okay,
2: and then over time started supporting more custom or you know more processors and so forth. And then in 2015 we kind of took the leap. We said, hey, let's fully productize AudioWeaver. We took kind of uh, friends and family round, did some investment. 2017 we did our Series A round, and uh, 2020 did B round. So we've been growing; we're up to a hundred people now, so hundred wow. full-time people, and so we're supporting lots of customers with the uh, with the technology.
0: Okay, and can can you can people select their algorithm? Like, if somebody wanted to use a Waves uh, uh, signal like algorithm, could they, they that can be a plug-in for your yeah. system, or how does that work?
2: Yep. So Waves is one of the partners we're working with. Okay. So, you know, they're integrating their technology, and it's going to be as easy as dragging Waves Max Bass out and hooking up in your your signal chain.
0: Okay, cool. All right.
2: So lots of good investors. You'll see a bunch of automotive names. Yep. The reason is your car is your most complicated audio system. You've got a home theater system. You've got a conference room voice system, soon voice assistants. Even fake engine sound, so they've been kind of struggling under the uh, complexity.
0: Right. Okay, and uh, quite distributed around the world. Looks like some key uh, automotive uh, centers of the world: Yokohama, Stuttgart, Detroit. Uh, pretty, yeah. uh, pretty automotive centric. So cool. Yeah.
2: So that's we've kind of been leading there with uh, automotive stuff.
0: Okay. okay.
2: Now. What I like to tell people is every audio product is unique. This is kind of the challenge for audio product development. Okay. If you're doing a touchscreen, it would be easier to sell the same touchscreen to a lot of different products. Mm -hmm. But with audio, you have different form factors. You have different use cases, you have different, you know, performance levels and so forth. And so each audio product is unique and uh, you use different processors. Maybe you want to hook up to a different voice assistant. Mm-hmm. And so the, the challenge is, you know, how do you mass customize technology? And that's kind of the field that we're in. The way I like to describe AudioWeaver, okay, I like to say it's like the TensorFlow for audio. <laughs> okay. So audio as an engineering discipline is lagging behind All the other fields Mm -hmm. so if you're doing a website are you going to take notepad and write html okay or are you going to use one of these frameworks for doing the website of course you're going to do the framework it's much easier Mm -hmm. graphics people use qt okay they use vulcan lots of good graphics frameworks there machine learning you know i talked about that in the beginning if Mm -hmm. you're somebody who's doing machine learning you're using TensorFlow or PyTorch or something like that to get your job done. Right. If somebody came to me and they said, hey, Paul, uh, I want to do machine learning for you, but I'm going to write everything from scratch. Okay. So once I stopped laughing, I would say like, no way. There's like no way you could be competitive with anybody. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: And what's funny yeah. is when you look at audio, there's a big question mark there. There's something about audio, the way the audio field has developed, that everybody starts from scratch. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a big company, you know, Harman, Bose, Google, Apple, they all start from scratch and they engineer their own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're, we're kind of saying, look, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so this question mark is basically where audio Weaver fits in. is to say, look, don't start at zero, okay? Start with AudioWeaver, and there's enough flexibility and richness in AudioWeaver that you can engineer whatever you want, okay? That's the the fundamental idea.
0: Okay, and and again, back to what I said earlier, this is probably a lot enabled with the, the processing power that's available. I know that uh, when I started in audio, like programming for real-time uh, in, in RF applications, uh, having a compiler could bog down the, the RTOS layer and these kind of things. So yeah. now with processing power, it's not an issue anymore. Is that, uh, yeah. I guess, a consistent statement?
2: So AudioWeaver consists of several different components. There's the designer tools that runs on the PC. Mm -hmm. And there's two versions. There's a standard version. It's kind of Windows application. Uh, Most customers use that. And then there's a pro edition for kind of the MATLAB user. And that gives you additional scripting, testing, automation capabilities. Next part we have are these runtime cores. So these are optimized libraries for for specific processors. So I'll have an M4 library, a Cortex-A library, a Shark library, a Hi-Fi DSP library. Mm -hmm. Third component is custom module SDK. So if you're an advanced user and you want to create your own block, you can basically use the custom module SDK. And often that's used for wrapping third-party IP. So if there's an existing Waves library or we even had announcements with Bose, a Bose library, you can Mm -hmm. basically wrap it with that custom module SDK
0: Oh, so they can yeah uh, IP developers or protecting yourself having something unique rather than the same kind of blocks from every other company
2: right yeah so those are those are the options Uh,
0: there's enough richness
2: in the set of blocks we have that you can get most of your jobs done with uh, 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 audio weaver it's kind of like tensorflow you know yeah. if you're doing machine learning okay i've got convolution operations i have nonlinearities most people use the existing tensorflow blocks and then you can engineer it with that and the advantage is if you use the existing blocks then you have full optimized implementation across the processor families
0: so just to just to paraphrase tensorflow for people that might not know that's basically you have an input and an output and then What's in between is kind of like it's, I believe it's uh, somewhat like linear algebra, figuring out what those uh, formula is in between. And so Mm -hmm. basically, what you're saying is Audio Weaver presents you the formula in between your input and the output.
2: Right. That's right. And Audio Weaver, we have, you know, about 400 blocks. So there's a lot of low level blocks, you know, delays, mixers, compressor limiters more mm-hmm. advanced stuff, beam formers, echo cancelers. And so the magic happens in how you connect the blocks together. Right. So a typical product, like a, an automotive system will have four, five, 600 blocks in it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. It's not like I give you the automotive playback system block. It's like, no, it's it's built up out of these hundreds of blocks. And then you can engineer it all different, you know, all different ways.
1: So, Paul, before someone uh, before Audio Weaver and someone wanted to do an equivalent job, would that have been coding in C using a, a lot of different functions and creating whatever it may be a, uh, you know, a biquad filter, for example? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So people would be working in C, and on the
2: DSPs, you'd have to go down to assembly to get the full performance out of these devices. Mm. And uh, so what we've done is you can see there's blocks here. There's a base tone control. That's a bi-quad filter. And so yeah. what we've done is we've optimized that bi-quad filter on all different processor families. So on the shark, we go down to assembly. We go to whatever level is needed for full performance. And so, you know, we basically can set the standard for all the different operations and stuff.
1: And so the uh, output you get from Audio Weaver is a is a library is a .o file uh, what do you do with it
2: Okay so I'll get into the kind of the dynamic instantiation okay. but what'll happen is uh, the output of Audio Weaver tools is a netlist so it's a description of which blocks are needed and how they're connected together and configured and so, what you'll do on your product is you'll combine our library together with the netlist, and the two of those realize the overall signal flow. Okay. okay. And what's really nice about it is you're not always rebuilding the target code. Hey. Okay. So, what you can do is you can be connected to the target. Okay. And uh, as long as you're using the blocks available on the target, you can move blocks around you can add new blocks, you can tune and everything. And so you're not always like invoking the compiler and reflashing the board. Okay. You get this really fast iteration cycle with, uh, with audio weaver.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: So uh, one other point I'll mention is audio weaver is made for product developers. So a lot of, emphasis on efficiency of the code small memory footprint we're about 15 kilobytes for the core core framework okay if we do a good job optimizing the blocks then it's as fi- efficient as you know a skilled dsp engineer doing a uh you know custom implementation right. so we, we don't get complaints from customers about speed and so forth
0: okay okay So yeah,
2: let me talk about kind of instruction set support. So I'll basically say Cortex M4 and up, mm-hmm. HiFi 2 and up. Uh, we're working on the, the Hi-Fi 5 currently. We have, uh, we completed last year, Hexagon. So we're doing a bunch of Hexagon based products. Mm-hmm. And then next up for us is uh, ARM Cortex M55. We're going to be starting that soon. So that'll be for uh, next generation processor. Okay. And so we also work with a lot of different chip partners. And so what we'll do is we'll often do reference designs. And so we'll be kind of pre-integrated into the into these uh, development boards and reference designs. So you can kind of get going very quickly with AudioViewer.
0: Okay. Yeah. and I suppose again from a product development point of view your relationship with those chip partners solves a tremendous amount of problems for audio brands. We always say this but audio is not massive volume business except for a few companies. So a lot of times guys like Intel and stuff they don't they don't really give any attention to the tier 2 brands and such so this should be a big right. uh, a big benefit to get things done on those, pla- those platforms. Right. And then a lot of the companies, too, have
2: enormous engineering teams. You know, I worked at Bose. There's like hundreds of engineers. You yeah. know, Harmon, hundreds of engineers. Amazon, Google. And not everybody can afford to have such gigantic teams to get things done. And yeah. so they need and, a kind of more efficient way.
0: Yeah, the bulk of Bulk of the audio brands out there don't have those teams at all. Mm-hmm. And, and also the factories over here in Asia trying to execute on this. Um, they might not have the resources to execute either. So at the tier two level, you're really handicapped. So it sounds like a tool like this could be really beneficial, especially for the, the small to medium sized businesses.
2: Right. That's right.
0: Yep. And
2: it's a lot easier to work graphically than to mm-hmm. uh, be, be writing code. Right. And lots of kind of advantages to working graphically. Uh, I'll also mention we have different IP that's available. So there's a bunch of DSP concepts IP. So a bunch of microphone processing. So you can deploy far field products. So multi-mic array, beam forming, echo cancelers. Uh, We can do multi-channel echo cancelers we've done soundbars with dolby atmos in the market and voice control and so forth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Good noise reduction technology. We have an adaptive interference canceller. So suppose you're making an, a voice controlled air conditioner and you want the air conditioner to he- understand you even when the TV's on. Right. So we can we can deal with that that use case. And then on the right side, we also work with third parties. So we have their IP kind of available in uh, Audio Weaver.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of this right now is driven by automotive. Uh, a lot of the uh, the technologies there. But, uh, you know, our goal is to make it as, you know, really easy to uh, uh, deploy technologies. And then we want to have the best of the best available in uh, Audio Weaver. Okay. So... Yeah, let me also kind of just talk about sort of, I call it benefits beyond IP. A lot of times it's easy to fixate on a IP. And if you're building a product, there's a whole bunch of things to take into account. Here are the, the six different areas. Yep, IP performance is one of them. Okay, but other, you care about design flexibility. Can I meet my industrial de- design needs? Okay, there's execution risk. Am I going to get the product done on time or is something going you know, to hold me up? People care about development costs per product cost and also is it supported in the supply chain? So when we've kind of surveyed our customers and we said, okay, you know, how would you rate these things in terms of what's, what's really important to you? What we found is the number one concern that customers have is execution risk what happens if something goes wrong during development mm-hmm. you know what if i miss the christmas sales season what if i'm delayed a quarter even if you're a month or two late that really hits the bottom line mm-hmm. okay. so uh a lot of people concerned about that next thing is ip performance but it's not like i insist on having the best performance i just don't want to have bad performance if you know what i mean mm-hmm.
3: you,
2: you know we can all look at we can all relate to like bad video conferencing experiences <laughs> okay what's been your best video conferencing that's a little harder to think about
0: i think okay. this one i think this one paul to be fair <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then when you kind of look deeper they're not that concerned about development cost issues it's right. really this execution risk IP performance. And yeah. that's really where, where Audi Weaver can shine with the uh, execution risk, helping with that.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of maybe junior people that haven't gone through the product development cycle don't realize like with traditional retail, the penalties you get when you don't deliver your product on time. Mm-hmm. Can, and, and also if you have to air freight a product, um, again, for small to medium, that could almost put some companies out of business if right. they had to air freight soundbars for a christmas rush it would it, it would it would wipe them out literally so I, yep it's i, I i've seen
2: those things yeah yep so yeah let me also kind of tell you sort of some of the new things that are coming kind of kind of what we're doing and uh so What we're gonna start doing with select customers is I call it open audio IP. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, if you're supplying algorithms, that's your secret sauce, okay? And you want nobody to see what's going on inside the box. Mm -hmm. So the approach we take with Weaver is we think, look, the magic is inside the framework, okay? We have good IP. But what we wanna do is we wanna encourage customers to roll up their sleeves, okay? And start building upon the IP and modifying the IP. Okay, so what we're gonna do is for kind of skilled OEMs and design partners. So there might be some ODMs or design houses. We're basically gonna open up the block diagrams and teach them how the processing works and enable them to basically take over, build upon it, and go further with it. So I think this is going to kind of revolutionize the whole the whole audio industry.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, their secret sauce is protected, but still within the framework of Audio Weaver. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Very cool. And so yeah, so, so this is going to be uh, uh, kind of rolled out. Uh, we're going to be also doing kind of more TWS. So we're going to be moving into TWS. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, one of the things that we saw that, okay, we've got to bring to really make a dent and to improve the, uh, you know, TWS whole development experience.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, uh, the wind noise reduction. That's, that's a popular thing in my world right now is some people trying to figure out how to do the wind noise reduction on the mics.
2: Right. Yep, and you can see we got a wind deep here. We've got algorithms here, wind noise over here. So uh, that's all built out of the uh, underlying primitives and stuff, okay. Uh, kind of at a high level, we have two kind of voice technologies, one we call talk to. So that's for human to machine communication. Okay. So we've done a whole bunch of Alexa type products and just about every ASR we've, we've hooked up to. And the other one is for human to human calling. So we call that a talk together. And so behind both of these are audio weaver block diagrams. And then you can do kind of all the algorithm design. And what's also kind of unique about us is uh, you can also do output processing. And normally the world is split into two different halves. Okay, people who do loudspeaker processing and people who do microphone processing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, and often in a company, that's done by two different teams. Okay. With Audio Weaver, you can do both. Mm-hmm. And then we also encourage for voice products that it's important that you kind of jointly design the microphone processing and the yeah, speaker processing.
0: Yeah. Let me yeah. give you kind of Yeah. I was I was just going to say I saw your demo for the the Pure Audio uh soundbar that Carls heinz Fink uh did the acoustic design. Uh so I know who he is. I don't know if he'd remember me, but anyways, uh just the ability to to get that barge in with a with a big noise floor going on. I know that a few years ago like so, some brands wouldn't even entertain soundbars with that kind of barge in mm-hmm. technology. So that's quite impressive um mm-hmm. to do
2: it. Yeah. And he did a fabulous job tuning that, that Mm soundbar, that pure, uh, that soundbar. Okay. So, yeah. So what happens in a lot of the voice products is, you know, you want the echo canceler to work well. And what do echo cancelers hate? They hate nonlinearities. And so part of the fight is like, okay, I want to try to keep my, my system linear and, there may be trade-offs to be, to be made. Okay, and when it gets really loud, do you want big harmonic bass, which is like distorting, or do you want better voice performance? And so there's kind of a, a trade-off to be made there. So sometimes you might have to be a little more aggressive on the loudspeaker processing. Okay. To uh, kind of prevent the nonlinearities. Okay. So we can do kind of all of the... Uh, Uh, different IP and so forth. Uh, Another thing we're doing is we're working on audio prototyping kits. And so what we wanna do is allow you to use AudioWeaver kind of throughout the development process. And so first one we have is, uh, this is shipping now, is this essentially a synchronized microphone array. So it'll basically allow you to do multi-channel IO together with, you know, one or more synchronized microphone arrays. So if your company and you're prototyping a far field speaker or soundbar, a TV, uh, maybe an automotive system, you can do that with this uh, with this setup. Okay. Before, mm-hmm. it's always tricky to get kind of all the I.O. synchronized. You can get microphone arrays, but then they often don't have the analog I.O. you need or not enough of it. So we found that this solved a real common problem for our customers. And so the way this is designed is we'll leverage an off the shelf USB sound card. And then the microphone array plugs in over uh, ADAT optical interface. And so you can get whatever sound card you want. I have a Behringer, some customers use RME. There's some that have multiple ADAT interfaces. And now you can start prototyping very easily. This is one of the microphone arrays. This is what the board looks like. There's a digital mic input. There's an analog mic input. So you can use our, we have some form factor mic arrays. You can build your own. We also have like a fan out microphone array. So if you need to stick it on arbitrary geometries, you can do that, oh, do that right. fairly easily.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You, could, uh, and so, you could just start to imagine all the different products that they would be just doing mm-hmm. like uh, a mechanical interface and this is where we want our mics to be and uh, how's it going to work in the end?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll show you kind of a use case we did recently. So we've been asked to do, hey, I want to do voice control in the kitchen in a range hood. Okay, how's that going to work with your algorithms? So what we basically do is we go make recordings okay we'll just pepper the unit with all different microphones this one even has a microphone inside by near the fan to get a mm-hmm. noise reference and then we can essentially make recordings and then post process and then uh, check the performance right okay. so we we can go you know make large scale recordings and then post process check the uh, performance. How does a trigger word work? How does the ASR work? Okay. And then you can imagine what we're doing on the right-hand side. Hey, I wanna do voice control for my uh, washing machine. Uh, Is that gonna work? Can it handle the appliance noise and so forth?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's massive challenges, but tons of applications for this.
2: Yeah. And this is, makes it real easy for people to get started, make recordings. And then the hardware is also compatible with AudioWeaver. So you can run natively on the PC and even do real-time processing on the PC. Okay. So kind of just reducing barriers. And then this one also works for uh, automotive. So we're doing a bunch of uh, work with uh, car makers and so uh, some people are now looking at putting multiple microphone arrays inside the car. Okay. Everyone's really concerned about voice quality. You know, my car, it's fairly new. It still has one microphone for the entire voice pickup. And All I'm right. like, come on, we can do a better job than that. All right. Okay. Uh, we're also doing like POCs with some uh, OEMs. And what they're interested in is... Um, voice recognition outside the vehicle. So, maybe I can walk up to the car and say, open the trunk, that type of stuff. And so, we're basically peppering the car with microphones, doing recordings, and then uh, developing the algorithms.
0: And would any of these microphones be dual purpose, just like an idea question here, for like, um, collision prevention or or incident prevention as well? Like, so the, the system's able to recognize is that a voice or is that uh, something that's not really possible?
2: Some stuff they're looking at is, especially for autonomous vehicles, they mm. want to be able to do uh, you know, detect, you know, is there an ambulance or emergency vehicle approaching? Yeah. So a bunch of people are putting stuff outside so that they can uh, detect things. You know, even things like can you can you listen and tell if the road is wet? You know, yeah. <laughs> once you once you start thinking about it, there's actually a lot you can do. Right. You know. You know, can you can you adjust the vehicle?
0: And yeah, there's there's a lot of things like like people like Knowles and stuff with their microphones work on in terms of uh, vibration detection and stuff that's kind of out, out of the audible range but shows like is your alignment off and all kinds of other functionalities as well. Right. So yeah. I, I imagine that Audio Weaver could actually be a platform for interpreting all that information as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, because it's getting we're getting more and more interest from autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. and what you can imagine is uh, the main way you tell some you can tell something's wrong in the vehicle is by the sound. That's probably the number one way you can tell. Right. And so suppose you're in a autonomous taxi fleet. Are you going to let them know when something's broken? Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Or are you just going to like leave it for the next person? Right. Okay. And so the idea with audio is to say, hey, let's use the microphones that are in the vehicle to detect and uh, register these things.
0: Okay. Very cool. Yeah. We even
2: had requests from uh, uh, companies where they said, hey, you know, my vehicle's got you know, almost full autonomy. And their vision is the vehicle drives itself off the assembly line, drives itself around the test track, and then the microphones are listening for any problems. So similar kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, it's funny, we're doing, we're engineering automotive systems now that have more microphones than speakers. It's, right. it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Cool. What we're also doing, so this hardware, is, this hardware is available now, these prototyping, this prototyping kit. Uh, the one that's kind of in development now is we're working on a prototyping kit for uh, TWS. And so this is how we envision it, is we're gonna build some custom hardware and we're gonna be using an rt 600 processor. Mm-hmm. So this is a high-end HiFi 4 DSP, lots of memory, this chip is too big to go into an earbud, but it makes a really nice prototyping environment.
3: Okay.
2: And what you can do is there's gonna be, you know, multiple microphone interfaces, speaker amplifiers, even sensors. And so you can do a form factor earbud, hook it up to this, and then you could plug the board into the PC. And as a first step, you can use it to make recordings, okay? or you can run the, the, the Audio Weaver tools on the PC. That's kind of step one, native PC. Second step is you got a really powerful DSP there. Why don't you take your block diagram, have it run on the Hi-Fi 4, and then you can run untethered from the PC. So you can walk around, you can, you can test out different playback algorithms, different uh, voice algorithms and so forth. It'll be battery powered, You'll also be able to do data logging when you're out in the field, log to flash. Third step, we're also working with uh, some of the leading Bluetooth chip vendors mm-hmm. okay. and make it easy to go from a rapid prototyping hardware to their EVKs. And so the idea is it'll be this seamless flow going from the PC down to the partner's EVK and then finally into the final product. And then we want to be able to do full audio weaver functionality in the final product and communicate with the earbuds through Bluetooth.
0: Okay. And uh, when would people expect to start using this, this platform?
2: Yeah, this should be ready kind of Q3 this year. Okay. We're about to kick off the hardware development. And we also have already have support for the NXP rt 600 so you already have all the USB audio drivers and real-time
0: audio. All right, very cool. I know that uh, I saw just the other day one people we interviewed previously, U Sound, that do the MEM speakers. They're developing an acoustic platform to plug in to TWS.
2: Cool. Yeah, and TWS is kind of different than uh, a lot of the kind of other audio markets. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the uh, chips are much more important and then design houses too. So there's strong reliance on uh, design houses in Asia for getting this done. Right. And so what we wanna do is this is gonna be targeted at uh, kind of uh, OEMs who can do work themselves, who are interested in doing stuff themselves. Mm -hmm. And we also wanna target this at design houses because there's a lot of skilled design houses in Asia. Yep. And then this is where the open IP comes in. It's like, hey, here's the TWS reference design. Okay. It's gonna have all the processing features you need. Okay. Beam forming, echo cancellation, bone conduction, a uh, lot of advanced features. And then they can take that and then they can tweak it and adjust it for their uh, requirements
0: okay yeah that's exciting stuff
2: Hmm. so it's kind of in development and now coming later this year
0: all right key three
2: okay so i have more details on Audiweaver weaver i can talk about or are there particular areas you'd like to dive in more deeply
1: simon a <laughs> couple of questions to uh... Uses this uh, software? Need what background do they need? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so it's basically uh, if if somebody's familiar with these other graphical tools like Sigma Studio, okay, then it's pretty easy on ramp for them to go from uh, something like Sigma Studio to this. Uh, you do you do have to have a an audio understanding. So there's compressors, there's limiters, and so forth. So you got to have have a audio understanding to do that. And I like to tell people, it's kind of like Excel. Like my mom can use Excel. Okay. She uses like 0.1% of the features. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been using Excel for years. I use like 5% of the features. When, when I see our VP of finance using Excel, he uses like 80% of the features. And it's the same thing with audio weaver where, You can have an acoustics engineer or a hardware engineer use it and then he can use it for system level debugging. So pretty easy easy with an audio weaver. Hey, let me measure my microphone noise floor. Let me check the AOP, am I clipping? Okay, are my microphones matched in sensitivity? Or the one that always goes wrong or are my microphones properly ported and sealed? And so with the audio weaver tool even if you're not like a dsp expert Mm -hmm. okay if you're an embedded software engineer if you're an acoustics engineer you can actually get a lot of stuff done with audio weaver and what we have is we have a step-by-step check we call it real-time audio system check our task that walks you through measuring all the key things in the system and Often if you're building a product, some of the hardest products are like speaker phones. The reason speaker phones are hard to work or hard to get working is because of so many things can go wrong in the design. Mm-hmm. So with our task, we essentially give the customer a, check by, you know, a step-by-step checklist. Check this, check this, check this. And once the hardware and the system level issues are worked out, our speakerphone design just drops in and it works great. Hmm, okay. So that's that's the uh, that's the idea. What we also find is engineers typically like to problem solve themselves, like like to you know find issues and fix issues. It's a lot more time consuming when it's like okay, DSP concepts. We'll run the test and then we re- we report back. Hey, your microphones aren't properly sealed. Then they make changes, send us another one, and then we measure it again. What the customers prefer is, hey, can I run this test myself? Can you mm-hmm. show me how this works? And then they're real happy to use AudioWeaver to do this kind of testing. Okay. And so, yep. Yeah, so we've kind of broken it down into step-by-step processes. You know, even like measuring loudspeaker distortion, you know, I told you that's like the bane of AECs. Right. And so we have simple ways for customers to uh, measure that and understand what's going on.
0: Right. Okay. Cool. Alright. Uh, let's keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And one other thing is um uh how does someone go about integrating the uh output they get from uh, Audio Weaver with their other existing code? Yeah. Let
2: me go show you a slide here. Okay. So What there is, is there's basically a runtime library and you can think of it as a C or C++ library. And Mm -hmm. so there's three APIs. There's one API for real-time audio. So they basically pass in blocks of audio data. There's the next API for tuning data. This is a communication link back to the PC. So it could be a UART or ethernet and then there's also a control API. So, you know, you, you wanna be able to change the volume and the tone controls on the final product. Right. So we have well, well-documented API APIs. We have example code. And with a lot of the chip partners, we also have the example integrations to say, hey, this is how it works on a shark processor or on a STM32 an M7 processor. Mm-hmm. So you can basically take that. We even have things like USB audio show how to do that, microphone interfaces, and then customers usually take that as a starting point and then uh, build upon it.
1: Uh, are they often setting up so that uh, one chip that you mentioned like a shark processor, but the uh, ARM ones, That's just doing the uh, audio application and then there's another chip and it's actually running the uh, user interface software? You know, it'll depend.
2: A lot of times, uh, you know, a shark is usually a dedicated audio processor. Sure. But uh, a lot of times the ARM processor is doing everything. Mm -hmm. And some of the integration challenges there are, hey, audio is a real-time system. And so you have to make sure you're not dropping blocks or you're not overloading the system. And so we have tools to basically verify the integrity of the audio chain and you're not dropping blocks and so forth. Yeah, And there's a big trend in the industry now is uh, things are moving to the ARM processors because of connectivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been working with ARM for a long time. So back when they had the M4, they approached us about doing a DSP, accelerating DSP operations. And so we actually wrote the Simpson's DSP library for ARM. So that's the core library of bi-quads, fur filters, FFTs, statistics functions. And so by doing that, we kind of saw the capabilities of the ARM processors. And we're like, you know, this processor is fast enough. It's not gonna take on the shark, but hey, you've got a multimedia speaker. You need USB connectivity. Maybe you're doing a speaker phone. It's good enough. You can get a lot of uh, processing done.
1: What is the difference between a DSP and something like an ARM, which you'd call a more general computer, would you?
2: Yeah. So, you know, First of all, they have different cores. So in terms of, you have like the shark instruction set that's been optimized for DSP and it has a high level of parallelism, okay? It's really designed to do multiply, accumulates, update circular pointers and so forth. So typically on the shark, you you get lower cycle counts than on the ARM processor. Mm. But what happens is the processor core is just one part of the overall system, okay? you still need connectivity. Is there an ethernet interface? Is there USB connectivity? Okay, flash memory support and so forth. And that's when you look at it, a lot of the traditional DSPs don't have all the connectivity that you need. And so you'll either need an ARM processor and a dedicated DSP, okay? Or if your ARM processor is fast enough, just take that and then use our software. And you kind of yep. get a, a soft DSP.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see. So it's a question of uh, whether or not the general computer is just fast enough to just fast enough. Uh, yeah. maintain real time. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we also have kind of full benchmarks, so we can compare all the uh, processors and
1: how efficiently they run and so forth. So if you're developing something in Audio Weaver. Uh, uh, How do you know if you were gonna overrun the uh, availability of processing power of the device you're working on? Yep,
2: so what you do is um, you would hook up one of our development boards and then you can run in real time
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and it'll do like cycle accurate profiling for you. And so you'll be able to see on a block by block basis exactly how much processing power it takes. Right, right. Okay and then we've also published papers showing like comparison of efficiency between different processors and all that interesting yeah so a lot of times what will happen is the customers they'll start out on the pc they'll create their block diagram so maybe they'll build a 20 channel automotive system they'll put all the processing they want do it on the pc and then what they'll do is they'll send it to us and they'll say hey paul can you profile it on the following processors? Right, right, right. Okay. What is it going to be on a on a hexagon DSP, on a Hi Fi four DSP, a shark DSP, a TI DSP? And then we can give them, you know, actual real life measured numbers on those different cores.
0: Right. Okay. I suppose that might be an interesting situation now with chip supply. <laughs> it's like, which, right. which chip can we? Hear? Well, that one's not available. Sorry. So mm-hmm. let's, let's trim the DSP a little bit so we can get a, an available chip, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm.
2: So software integrations, you know, straightforward from an API point of view. Yep. You know, there's not that many APIs.
0: Okay.
1: So that's basically it for me
0: yeah yeah anything more to add paul that's the uh, the bulk of it that's the bulk of it is that enough for everybody i guess we can get their comments below um let's give people a shot so the website is dspconcepts.com they can go there and find all about audio weaver and uh, we will put the. We'll put the Twitter and the website URL in the in the in the description below, and uh, we encourage everybody to uh, hit us with your comments and questions. Tell us what you think, and uh, of course, yeah, all that good YouTube stuff: like, subscribe, and share. Um, so, um, yeah, Paul Beckman, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, really appreciate your time. Hey, um, thank
2: you, David. Thank you, Simon.
0: Yeah, cool. it seems like a, a, a great platform. So. We'll say goodbye to everybody for this week and uh, keep watching if there's plenty more content coming up on your YouTube. Okay, bye everybody.